0: Hello, and welcome back to Management Cast, where some of the brightest minds in the business world explain the commercial concepts shaping industry today. Today, we welcome back Alison Meister, a professor of leadership and organizational behavior at IMD. Hello, Alison, great to have you back.
1: Great to be back.
0: And in our last episode, we spoke at length about the stress mindset, how people and organizations can develop an unhealthy or a healthy approach to pressure. Today, we'll be covering another concept in workplace mental health, and that is the recovery paradox. But before we get into the recovery paradox, let's start with a simple question. Alison, what is recovery?
1: OK, let's dive right in. So recovery. So if you think about stress, stress itself activates what's called our sympathetic nervous system. And that part of our nervous system is responsible for what's called our flight, fight or freeze response it prepares the body for physical activity to handle stress or handle threats in the environment this increases our heart rate dilates our pupils and it inhibits our digestion it really gets us ready for action on the other hand you have the parasympathetic nervous system this is responsible for what's called the rest and digest response this promotes relaxation digestion and healing so this response slows down our heart rate it constricts our pupils stimulates digestion and basically recovers us to handle the next fight, to handle the next day. And these two systems work together to help keep us in balance, to help keep our stress at baseline levels. So they have different functions. And so recovery activates this parasympathetic nervous system. And it's the process of relaxing your nervous system, restoring your body to these baseline levels and getting rid of the toxin buildup in your system and your brain and your body and your blood that comes from the energy usage of the day, the stresses we face in our day. And so you need to balance this stress with this recovery over time. So recovery is really important to keep our energy levels up, to keep our mind clear, to help us make good decisions and to to perform at work.
0: And so that's recovery. What's the paradox?
1: Okay, so this is where it gets interesting. So the recovery paradox essentially says, That when we are most in need to recover, when we are most stressed, when we are most depleted from the day, when our stress levels are the highest, is when we're actually the least likely to do something about it. So when you're really high in stress, you're less likely to take that time to recover your energy, to sleep well, to get some exercise, to eat well. Actually, when you're feeling the most stressed and your energy is most depleted is when you're most likely to dig in, to work harder, to have unregulated sleep and to eat eat poor food. So lots of sugar to compensate with alcohol. And what's interesting about the recovery paradox is that it's often not known that you need to recover even from positive stress. So even if you love your job and you're passionate about it and you're giving your all and you're using your energy all day you still need to recover. In fact, it's those passionate, driven people who are sometimes the most engaged in their work that we're seeing burnout from their work because they're not actually recovering from it. So we often think we need to recover just from that negative stress, but you actually need to recover from positive stress. So that's the paradox. When we most need it, we are least likely to do it.
0: I think when I first hear the word recovery, I think about recovery as a passive process something that I'm maybe doing or not doing when I'm sitting on the sofa or lying down, you're intimating that it might be something much more active.
1: i always refer to recovery as a skill rather than just a passive process because we need to be aware of it and we need to learn how to do it better and we need to practice it. It's not common nature in the business world to practice recovering from stress. And if you think about it, you would never want a pilot, you would never want a surgeon, you would never want your favorite athlete to go onto the field depleted and exhausted and not feeling at their best. But somehow the business world got inundated with this assumption that you can just keep pushing, that you can drink a Red Bull to keep working harder or pull an all-nighter and keep working the next day. And that was always this stamp of hard work and engagement, that the lack of recovery was something to be celebrated. But again, this assumption in, in the business world is quite literally killing people. We need to get rid of that assumption and know that all of us need some recovery. We need to learn how to do it. And that sometimes involves challenging our assumptions about what we should be able to do or what we can do.
0: Okay. That's very interesting, Alison. So more of a skill than simply a passive process. How does one recognize that you have weakness in this skill in the recovery?
1: If you reflect back on your day, just reflect at your energy levels on your day and reflect on if you did anything to intentionally recover that energy. If you took breaks, if you managed to detach from work, the other way you can think about it is just reflecting on your energy now. Do you wake up depleted in the morning? Are you waking up several times thinking about work in the middle of the night or, or not being able to get to sleep at night because you're, you're thinking about work. Often the signs of insufficient recovery are exhaustion, are emotional, are physical and mental. So if you're starting to feel depleted, tired, if you're starting to lose motivation at work, and if you're starting to not be able to handle the stress of work, it might be a sign that you need to do something about it. And what's surprising about this? is that often there is a disconnect between our body and our minds. So people think, no, I can mentally keep pushing and their bodies say something else. So I use wearables in my classes on stress quite a bit and I find it fascinating. People will think, well, I'm sure I got enough recovery in the day. I'm sure of it. But then they'll look at the actual indicators and it will show that they really did nothing to recover in the day. So. Just having that awareness that sometimes our mind and our body are really not in sync is also really important.
0: That's so interesting. The wearables aspect, I'm sure there's going to be many people listening here which will, who will be looking into that immediately after this. Tell me if you recognized the signs of a lack of recovery, that perhaps you're not doing recovery as you should be or you're not allocating that time correctly. How do you get better at it? How do you get better at recovering?
1: Getting better at recovery is about first generating awareness, having that awareness of, whoa, maybe I am depleting myself over time. Maybe it is hitting a point of no return where I am tired, where I'm feeling cynical, maybe I'm feeling demotivated, or maybe I just don't have that, that pep anymore in my step. So I need to actually recover my energy and develop an energy management strategy. And number two, it's about actually learning what works for you. So everybody should have their own unique energy recovery strategy. It's interesting because what works for me is not necessarily what works for you when it comes to recovery.
0: And so Alison, you've talked there about the principles of recovery. Can you flesh that out a bit? What are those?
1: So there are a few really important factors to take into consideration when you're building your own recovery or energy management plan. Number one is that you really need to psychologically detach from work in order to actually get rid of your work stress so if you are arriving home and your mind is very much still at work your body is still going to think it's at work too even though you may be physically in the kitchen or having dinner with your family your body is responding as if it's in the workplace so it's important to be able to psychologically shut down from work one study showed that 97 percent of white collar workers check their smartphones on every break. So even when they're in the toilet, they're looking at their work phones. So it's really important to make sure you psychologically detach if you want to get rid of work stress, that's number one. And so any strategy you can use will have to help you do that. Number two, small things can really add up when it comes to recovery. So for example, Microsoft's Human Factors Lab they did a fascinating study where they had employees wear EEG caps to measure their brain, beta brain ac- wave activity. So beta waves are associated with stress. They're basically brain waves that heat up your brain and make you, you know, are produced when you're feeling stressed during meetings, for example. And what they found was Micro breaks between meetings actually reduce the amount of beta waves, these stress waves that your brain is producing. So if you go from meeting to meeting to meeting, you're actually accumulating these stress waves in your brain, which is making it harder to think, harder to work, and harder to make good decisions. Yet, if you can put a micro break of even just 10 minutes between your meetings, of course, detaching from work itself, doing something else, getting your mind off work, you can reduce the beta waves that are are produced in your brain. So study after study shows the power of these micro breaks. And in particular if you take small breaks of five to ten minutes in the start of the day it has a big impact on your energy in the afternoon and at the end of the day you know when you're feeling that low at the end of the day it's often because your energy is depleted so those small micro breaks do add up
0: is there any worry that introducing micro breaks or other coping strategies or strategies to deal with recovery can just add another thing to that list i know myself I've given myself, quote unquote, the time to relax. And when I get to that point in my calendar and it says busy, own time, I feel this pressure, this pressure to be happy, be relaxed, be <laughs> off the clock. And it becomes yet another thing to throw into my day. How do people avoid that?
1: Absolutely. People can feel a lot of pressure to be, you know, perfect when it comes to recovery. And that adds to the stress, sorry, and adds to the mindset of we're not doing something right. And we're beating ourselves up That should, should, should. I wish we could abolish the word should from our vocabulary when it comes to stress. But that leads me to the third important principle, actually, that choice really matters. So you need to, if you're wanting to detach from work and taking those little breaks, it really matters that you have choice in it. So, for example, some people feel recovery and feel a sense of detachment and rest when they are in a social situation, when they're talking to friends or talking to colleagues or hanging out at the water cooler or having a coffee. For others, that will just increase their stress levels. So, again, having that choice when it comes to stress recovery really matters. And on that, what might help you in this sense is to do something that isn't keeping you in your thoughts where you're judging yourself and you're thinking, am I recovering or am I getting rid of my stress? Do something that you can get into the flow of that you just enjoy. Instead of being in your mind, try to do something with your hands, with your body. So what what they call this our mastery or flow experience? What we're finding, what really helps when it comes to recovery is not just kind of sitting and relaxing that can help for some, for example, meditation can really be effective, but what can also really help people is doing something like learning a language, learning to play guitar. If you're, if you love tinkering around on your car, going out there and, and getting dirty in the garden that will help you detach your mind from work. It will give you a mini break and it will stop you from that rumination of kind of self-judgment that we can get into when it comes to stress. The more stressed we are, the harder we judge ourselves. That's part of the recovery paradox. And so to kind of subvert that, it's really about getting out there in your body, in nature, out of your head and into your body.
0: And I think you've mentioned there a few different ways of relaxing or trying to get into that recovery mindset. Is there a better way to recover or some ways better than others. I'm thinking of this kind of high effort versus low effort recovery, right? There's one which you're slotting into your day. There's another which maybe is a longer part of your week.
1: What doesn't work, first of all, is to save up your stress. There's this kind of mindset you can save up your stress for that vacation, right? Oh, I've got a vacation in six months time. I'm going to save it all up. So that doesn't work. You will you will get recovery for your week away, but then you'll find that a week back into the office and it's all reactivated again. So we need to try to do little things throughout the day. So that's one thing that works is taking it on a micro level, looking at your recovery at a day or a weekly level as opposed to kind of a six-month thing. Number two, it is really what works for you when it comes to being able to manage your energy. I find that One myth here as well is that exercise is recovery. Exercise is not recovery in itself. In fact, exercise is triggering your sympathetic nervous system. So what exercise does is absolutely wonderful for recovery later. So if you exercise, your body will be more efficient at recovering. It will recover from stress better. You'll get rid of the toxins in your blood and in your brain a lot faster and you will sleep better. So you will recover faster if you exercise, but exercise is not recovery in itself. So that's another myth. When it comes to high effort versus low effort activities, high effort can help you recover, can boost your energy. But we do need to balance this with recovery, for example, through sleep, through having that relaxation response. So it's all about it triggering that parasympathetic nervous system. And that's kind of a process of trial and error to see what works for you. Things like watching Netflix and watching TV can help for a short amount of time. But again, if you do those too long, they have a, it can have a much more negative effect. So it's all about balancing things and finding the best strategies for you.
0: And you've spoken there again about the physiological reaction, the way people trigger or don't trigger their parasympathetic nervous system. It leads me to think about whether or not there are types of people who are naturally more adept at this, who are born with a propensity to be able to recover. Is that something that you think, through your research, people are born with? Is it something people learn?
1: That's an interesting question. This comes a little bit back to the nature versus nurture question. There may be some different personality types that are more prone to stress. So if you're high in neuroticism, you might be more prone to stress. But when it comes to recovery... It is very, very much learned, and it's what we learn through the culture. So it's what we learn through the organizational culture we work in. It's what we learn through our parents and our friends and the social structures and the social community that we're in. If we're in a community where everybody is working themselves literally to death or they are only valuing hard work but no rest, there's even phrases and quotes out there like, I'll rest when I'm dead, for example, would be some kind of permeating quote that gives rise to a culture of overwork that celebrates working but not recovery. So I think it's very, very much learned and celebrated through what we do. And so we need to change that narrative. So at work in in organizations and at home, we just take the time to balance our stress with recovery so we can actually have sustainable performance and health over time.
0: And that's interesting because while things do seem to be changing in some ways, you mentioned, you mentioned in the first episode about changing attitudes to stress, some industries seem to value self-flagellation they regard recovery or self-care as a kind of weakness what would be your advice to someone who feels they're working in that kind of industry they're working in that kind of position because you know for all that we've talked about the positive ways you can learn to recover most people will have to work within those boundaries
1: absolutely and this is quite dangerous this myth in the business world that you can be and you have to be some kind of superhuman that you don't need to recover you know, in Japan, they even have a special word for working yourself to death called kuroshi. And you, know, a few years, a landmark study by the World Health Organization and the ILO found that nearly a million people have died annually from stroke and heart attack as a direct result of overwork. So that culture needs to shift. But if you're working in it, you really do have to be extra intentional about putting yourself in a bubble of recovery, about carving out time in your workday, perhaps that nobody even knows that you're doing those five to 10 minute breaks to help you recover your energy and keep balanced, whether that's small micro meditations, micro breaks, walks, nature, whether it's bringing the nature into your office, and whether it's really learning to have that conversation with your manager about your needs and your boundaries for you to be able to do your best work to thrive and to perform at work. And so this is something, a skill that we need to learn to manage our boundaries and work on, particularly when we're in toxic cultures. But if you are in a culture that only celebrates overwork and where you feel like you're depleting and burning out, sometimes you do have to leave. And that's not always an easy choice, but we're seeing more and more employees taking this seriously and finding roles where they feel they can better
0: thrive at work. Thank you, Alison. I think that's a really great place to stop there for this week. I want to thank you again for coming on the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Alison Meister is a professor of leadership and organizational behavior at IMD. Her teaching focuses on mental health, identity and diversity, well-being, and the subject of today's episode, recovery. We'll see you next time.